How many of you, and don't tell me, but just, you know, maybe you thought today, this is just going to be a regular Sunday. This is just going to be another Sunday. I'm going to go to church. We'll do the church thing, hear a message, sing some songs, and then try to beat the Baptist to the best restaurants afterwards. You just thought it's going to be a normal day. But listen, I want to tell you today, this is not a normal day. Anytime you step foot into the presence of the God that made the heavens and the earth, something miraculous can take place. Listen, maybe today you're, you're, you're one verse away, you're one message away, you're one uh, touch from God's hand away from a breakthrough in your life. And, and, and you didn't just show up here by accident, but God drew you to this place. And I believe God is going to touch you today. He's going to speak to you today. Wh whatever headspace you kind of walked in here today with, wherever you were at, whatever you're walking through, God is here in this place. Come on, and a miracle can break out in any moment when God is in the house. Amen. All right. If you're new to the whole church thing, amen is what pastors say when they don't know what to say next. It's like saying um, but as a Christian, amen. You know, being a church planter, I don't know how much you know about, about planting churches, but uh, I don't know very much myself. But anyways, <laughs> being a church planter and, and just starting off, my wife and I, we planted the church two years ago, and we're so grateful and thankful for all your support and everything. But, you know, we still feel like rookies and, and it's our first time being senior pastors and so you're really trying to work everything out, right? And just pretend like you know what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, when we started the church, I'd be there on a Sunday, this was like early on, we started meeting at a community center, community center and new people would show up and we're trying to act like we're not completely shocked that somebody actually came into our church. So people would come in and, hi. I try to pretend like we're used to people coming into this, this church. And people would say things like, well, how long have you been at church? And back in my mind, it's like about 10 minutes. <laughs> First service, actually. <laughs> but I say, um, hey, I want to tell you about our future, because <laughs> we don't have a past, right? I mean, it's I'll tell you about the vision of our future and all this kind of stuff. So you're, you're trying to work it out. Anybody start new things, right? And you know how you just building in. And one of the things you do in the church world as a, as a pastor is you invite guests in and guest speakers, guest ministers, and, you know, you want to make that person feel honored and welcome, and you want to do a good job and not mess it up. And so Bethany and I had invited this couple to come to our church, and they're these, this older couple, just wonderful, amazing people, like incredible people, and we want to make a good impression. So we're like, we're going to get them a good hotel. We're not going to motel six these people. We're going to upgrade them to a nice hotel. How many of you know if you get bed bugs at a hotel, you need to stop being cheap and go ahead and upgrade to the next level? Just tell Travelocity, no more bed bugs, right? So <laughs> we're going to go ahead and upgrade to the three star. We're going to really open up the, the pocketbook here today. Um, if your hotel rents by the hour, don't stay there. So anyways, moving on, um, we, we decided to go ahead and upgrade to like the nightly rate hotel. Just leave that, on the, leave that out there for anybody on the internet to look at that. So um, we decided to upgrade these people and got them a nice hotel. We decided to take them to a, a nice Italian restaurant. How many of you know I'm Sicilian? Come on, and I want you to know God is Italian. Because when you get to heaven, it's not going to be like cucumber sandwiches, I say. Hmm, yes. <laughs> Everybody would be disappointed if you showed up and God's like a limey, like, <laughs> come here, we've got the cucumber sandwiches and hot tea, I say. <laughs> no, God's going to be like, hey, welcome to the table. You know what I'm talking about. So it's going to be spaghetti and meatballs. Well, I'm Sicilian, so we go to this nice Italian restaurant and uh, we get, you know, we go there and we're like, 
this is awesome food, and I'm, I have a mouthful of pesto, chicken pesto pasta. I mean, incredible. Bethany's got arabiata. You know, she's eating. We're, we're happy, and we look over, and they're kind of got their food, and we're like, oh, how's your food? And they're like, oh, we're, we're gluten-free. <laughs> oh, really? So we took you to an Italian restaurant where pretty much the idea is gluten. <laughs> right? <laughs> so how's your food? It's pretty good. Oh, liars. So we move on. And uh, we, we have this weekend, we're trying to treat them well, and we get to the, the end of the time and we hand them a, a check to thank them, just bless them for their time of doing ministry. And uh, we say, well, you know, here we want to bless you with this. And they're like, oh, thank you. Um, we'll use this to pay for our hotel room. What? <laughs> we paid for their hotel room. <laughs> so now I am mortified that w- what is going on here? And I'm like, what? You, what do you mean? And they're like, yeah, you know, we'll pay for a hotel. I'm like, hey, hold on a second. We paid for that hotel room. Uh, for you guys. And they're like, oh, no, they told us at the desk that it wasn't covered. And so they'd like nicely let us know, hey, you guys really messed this up. (laughs) Some new pastors hosting them. So I'm like smiling at them. And I look at Bethany, call the hotel right now and tell them, you know, (laughs) tell them that that we paid for this. How many of you know when you pay for something, you don't want to pay for it twice? This has already been covered. This bill has already been reconciled. We paid for this bill. And now you want to hold us accountable. And today I'm going to talk about a situation that that took place, that still takes place today, where the devil wants to hold you accountable for a bill that's been paid in full. See, when Jesus died on the cross and gave his life for you and for me to be set free from sin and redeemed and reconciled with God, there was a bill that we owed, the bill of our sin and shame. Come on and all the things that we've done wrong. But let me tell you, when you accept Jesus and you receive his gift of eternal life and you receive his gift of forgiveness, that debt is paid in full. And so when the enemy comes to you and says, listen, you owe me something or you owe God something, you need to say, we are, that bill has already been paid in full. Come on, somebody. So we're going to jump in today into the, into the word of God in Galatians. And we've been in a series here at Joy Church called Unchained. Is that right? Unchained. Going through the book of Galatians. How many of you have been enjoying that series? And I want to encourage you that we're asking the church to to read through the book of Galatians. Is it once a week? All right, once a week. So I want to encourage you to be in the Word of God. Come on, you need to be in the Word. How many of you have your analog Bible here today? Not digital. Not, I'm talking old school. You're like straight up Pharisee, old school Bible. Boom, throw it down. I'm right here. You got it? Okay. Give yourself a pat on the back. You're more spiritual than the other people. I'm just kidding. I usually use my iPad to preach, but today I've got old school. Old school. But we're going to get into the Word of God in Galatians, and I'm going to cover verses, uh, chapter 3, verse 23 through uh, chapter 4, verse 7, and we're going to read this. But let me lay uh, some foundation here, give you some context. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter, what we call the book of Galatians. He wrote this letter to a group of churches in a region called Galatia. And what was happening in this time is that Paul, years before, had come through and he'd planted churches. And he had told all these people, let me tell you the greatest news that you're ever going to hear, that though you were separated from God and you were locked into a life of sin and darkness and destined for eternal doom, by the power of God, the mercy of God, he sent his son to die on the cross for you so that you could receive him and have everlasting life. Come on, it's the good news. That's what the gospel means. The gospel is good news. And so Paul launches these churches, establishes these churches, and they're flourishing. They're touching their communities. They're reaching people. They probably look a lot like this church and something there's life in it, right? But all of a sudden, this group of people comes in, and they're called Judaizers. And what, they are, what they're doing is they, they, they have this idea about the gospel. It's a distortion of the message. They say that it's not enough to just receive Jesus 
and be a Christian, it's not enough to just believe in the gospel. You have to add to that adherence to the law. You've got to be circumcised. You have to, you have to observe the certain traditions and observe these kinds of rituals. And they bring a distortion that says Jesus is not enough. The gospel is not enough. You still owe something on the bill. And Paul gets pretty upset about this. Because these are his babies, right? These are, these are his churches that he's planted. He's put blood, sweat, and tears. He's put hours of prayer. He's taught the word. He's built a foundation. And these people are operating and walking in the freedom of the gospel. And now somebody's coming in telling them, no, what Jesus did for you is not enough. You've got to add something to it. What Jesus did for you is not enough. You have to add something to it. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to jump through this hoop. You've got to climb this ladder. And it's a picture of religion, a picture of trying to earn your way to God. Come on, you know, right now, today, some of you are sitting here and you have literally been set free from every sin, every requirement. You are, you are literally a child of God, an heir according to the promise. But the enemy's coming to you right now saying, that's not enough. What Jesus did for you is not enough. You've got to do X, Y, Z, fill in the blanks. And so you're caught on a hamster wheel of religion every day trying to do something to make God love you, to make God accept you, to make God be okay with you. And God was, was, was already okay with you through Christ and what Christ did. So Paul gets pretty upset. And I'm going to pick up the story here in Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. Are you with me? Yeah. All right. So Galatians 3, 23, Paul says, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I don't have time to go into everything this means, but Paul's connecting these Christians in the New Testament time back to a story that God has been writing through the ages where he called this man Abraham and he gave him promises to his family of this amazing plan that God wanted to use the family of Abraham to bring blessing and restoration into the whole world and introduce people to the family of God. And so Paul is saying, look, you guys think that your thing starts right here, but it actually connects way back to the family of God and everything God's doing in history. And then in chapter four, Paul goes on, he says, I mean that the heir as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But listen, everything begins to change here. He says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. What's Paul saying? That in Jesus, God wants to bring you into his family. Though you were a slave, though you were under the law through Christ, he wants to bring you into his family. And listen to this beautiful resolution in chapter, in, in chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir through God. Let me just tell you right now, there's people sitting here in this room right now who are a son or a daughter of the living God. 
who have been brought into the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. But right now you're sitting here and you're still thinking like a slave. You know, there was experiments done. There was somebody got a bunch of fleas together. I don't know where they got them, probably at the, the hotel that they should have upgraded from. And they put these fleas in a jar and they had a little lid on there and the fleas would jump and they'd bounce against the lid, boink, you know, and, and jump up there. And, and they, they knew there was a barrier, right? But then after a while, after several weeks or, or a time period that went by, they took the lid off and guess what those fleas did? They would only jump to the level of the limitation that had been set over them. And let me just tell you right now that that's a picture of what it looks like for a Christ follower who's still thinking like a slave and not like a son of God or a daughter of God. Because when you are in Christ, you are an heir. When you are in Christ, you have everything that God wants you to have. You have the power to break every chain. Come on, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of you and there is no demon of hell. There is no spirit of depression. There is no family crisis. There is no addiction that can stand against that power that is on the inside of you. When you know that you are a son or a daughter, there is is no lid upon your life, but if you think like a slave, then you're jumping up and you're bouncing into that thing that actually isn't even there. And I just want to tell you right now that sometimes you can be seated with the sons, but thinking like a slave. You can be seated as a daughter, but thinking like a slave. You're still thinking that you are less than. You're still thinking that you need to you owe God something. You still think that there's something you need to do, something you need to add to the gospel that's going to get you in with God. And I'm just here to tell you right now, that's a lie. And that's what Paul's talking about here in Galatians chapter 4. He's saying, come on, when God decided to send his son Jesus, that you were adopted, you were brought in, and now you get to be a son or a daughter. Come on, that's a pretty awesome message, isn't it? And so today I want to talk about what it looks like to break free of being a slave and to begin to think like a son, begin to think like a daughter. I'll give you four things today. The first thing that happens when you embrace this thinking and this new reality of what it means to be a son or a daughter of God, a child of God, is that you get a brand new name and a brand new identity. Come on, the old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Listen, if you're here today and you're still wearing the labels and you're still wearing the old name and you're still wearing the old clothes and you're still wearing the old signs and symbols and all the, the chains and you're still wearing that name, you need to understand that when you were brought into God's family, he gave you a brand new name. Come on, a brand new identity. You're not who you used to be. You're somebody brand new. And God has awesome, good stuff for you. Let me tell you, my son Jack... He's four years old, and he was in here for the in the first service helping me out with the sermon, but he's, now he's playing in the nursery eating all your cookies or something like that. But what I do with my son sometimes just to put love on him and, and just bless him is I go into his room, and he's getting ready for bed. I haven't done it in a little while. I did it more when he was a little bit smaller, but I, I, I do it from time to time. I'll put my hand on his chest, and I push down real hard, and I say, you're my son. You're my son. And he just gets like all, because how many of you know that feels good when your dad says you're mine? Let me just tell you right now, maybe you've been rejected by every father figure you've ever had. Maybe you've been cast aside in every relationship, and so you don't know whose name is on your life. And I'm here to tell you right now, I don't care where you come from, because when you hear the gospel and you receive Jesus, that you come into the family of God, and God puts his hand on your chest and says, you are mine. Come on, let me just tell you, no weapon formed against you will prosper because the hand of the Lord is upon your head. His name is on your life. Come on, nothing can stand against that because you stand up and say, guess who I am? You thought that I was just Clark Kent, but I ripped my shirt open and I'm Superman, baby. Come on. 
because I'm a child of God. Listen, are you a child of God? He puts his name, his identity on you. I love the story in, in Matthew. I think, I think it's Matt. I can't remember where it's at. It's in the Bible. <laughs> when Jesus is baptized and God shows up, his dad shows up in that moment and he speaks three words over his life about name and identity. And God says, this is my beloved, this is my son whom I love and in whom I am well pleased. Let me just tell you today that the Lord wants to speak those three words over you. When you come into Christ and you are a son, not a slave, he wants to speak those three words over your life. You are my son. You are my daughter. How many of you know that a lot of people don't want to associate with you, with me, because of the things we've done? Oh, well, that's just Jake. You know who he is. He's like that pharisaical kid who grew up in church who's, you know, <laughs> come on. They don't want to associate with me. Oh, that's Rick, and he did this and that, and that guy was at the bar, and oh, you know how many guys she's been with? And people don't want to associate with you, but guess what? God wants to put his name on you and identify publicly that you're his. Isn't that awesome? This is my son. This is my daughter, and God says, whom I love. Listen, God loves you so much. The scriptures say God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I just want you to know today you don't know how much God loves you to the level that he does. It's incredibly difficult for us to even understand. The scripture writers don't even know how to put it into words and so there's no height, there's no depth, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. They can't describe how much God loves us but it's so much God loves you as his child. And then the last thing that God says over his son Jesus and what he speaks over you is in whom I am well pleased. See, maybe today you think God is angry with you, disappointed that you're a displeasure to him. That maybe there's, because of the mistakes you've made, even after you decided to be a follower of Jesus. Listen, I want to speak right to your heart today. You think that God is slightly disappointed with you. That he just looks at you and kind of says, meh. But I want you to know right now that God could not be more pleased with you because when God sees you, he doesn't just see you, he sees Jesus. Come on. When you are in Christ and you are justified, it's just as if I'd never sinned. See, the whole debt has been paid 100%. When God looks at you, he, he doesn't see your sins. He sees your future. He doesn't see your past. He sees your future. He doesn't see your mistakes. He sees, he sees what, what his destiny is for you. The scriptures say that God takes our sins and casts them as far as the east is from the west. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins. And I just want to tell you, the gospel of grace is scandalously good. And when somebody comes and tries to make it something that you need to do, they are corrupting and distorting the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am well pleased. God puts a new name and a new identity on your life. The second thing that happens as a son, as a, as a daughter of God, is that you get full access to God. My kids don't care what time it is. My son Jack, 4.30 in the morning, he'll crawl into bed. Sup? <laughs> I'm like, do you know what time it is? What? <laughs> I want a banana, right? <laughs> Parents, you know, how, you know what I'm talking about when you sit on the toilet and you got to do this move? <clears throat> How many of you know what I'm talking about? Our bathrooms don't lock, so you got to lock it yourself, right? <laughs> Reader's Digest, and I'm working my abs at the same time with my leg out. Because kids are like, Mom, 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 I'm coming in, Mom. Dad, I want to tell you something. I love you.
like a barbarian breaking down the door to Rome. You know what I mean? I'm almost done in here. You know, I love you too. So <laughs> full access. Sons and daughters, they don't, there's no off limits for them. Come on, they, 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 they want to be with, with their father, with their, with their mother. They, they, they're not thinking about the things that keep them out. And yet with God, we're, we don't understand this. But listen, when Jesus died on the cross, when he was crucified and he gave his life for us to reconcile us with God, there's a really cool little detail in the text. It says that when he, when he died, that the temple veil, which was about a foot and a half thick, this veil that separated the Holy of Holies, the presence of God, the physical location of God's presence on this planet, that when Jesus died, that veil was torn in two. But listen, it was torn from the top to the bottom to signify that it was God himself that said, everybody's allowed inside now. Come on, that as a child of God, as a son or a daughter, you have full access to God. So don't take that for granted. Come on, be in the times of worship and in prayer. Never let shame, never let your own failure stop you from coming to the presence of God, which is the only thing that's going to help you get free. Come on. You have access to God. Number three, you have full rights as a son or a daughter. You get full refrigerator rights. Hallelujah. I remember when I was young, uh, being at my parents' house, my mom is a Sicilian. Come on, she's a good cook. Getting to eat my mom's food is like dying and going to heaven without the dying part. I mean, it's awesome. It's just pure upside, right? And so my mom, you know, like Ray Romano says, you got an Italian mom and you actually don't want any more food, you're going to have to shoot her because she will feed you, right? She's coming at you, man. That lady can sling meatballs like a, like a nine millimeter. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, <laughs> but my friends would come over to my house when I was a kid and they would open the pantry door and it was like in cartoons when the light shines out and the angels sing, oh, like we just entered into the Ark of the Covenant here or something, you know, and every single snack that Costco sells, my mom had in the pantry. How many of you that like are old school joy, you know what I'm talking about. You've been in my mom and dad's house and you like been in that pantry. I mean, it just, you open it, it just, you know, it overwhelms you. How ridiculous would it be for, my, for me to walk into my mom and dad's house and be like, oh, um, can I please have a snack? I'm just a little hungry. And they'd be like, who are you and what have you done with our son? Because my, my family, we come in, my kids come in, my kids immediately are ripping open cereal boxes. They don't even just, you know, sugar. I'm coming in, I'm like, what do we got here? Bacon, old food. Mom, why is there an entire pot roast in the fridge? I just eat it, I wanna ask questions. Come on, full refrigerator rights, because when you're family, it's like Olive Garden, hey, you know, come on in, you're family, right? But you don't have to pay, so that's better than Olive Garden full rights. All the benefits of a citizen of the kingdom of heaven are given to you. You get to come. You get a seat at the family table. You get the name of the king of kings written on your life. You get access to his presence. You get access to the table, a place at the family table. But that's not all. I feel like Ron Poe Peel. I feel like an infomercial. But that's not all, folks. For $19.97 right now, one-time payment, you can get, you too can have the slices, it dices, the gospel. That's not all. When you are a son of God, when you are a daughter of God, you don't just get a place at the family table. You get a place in the family business. Meaning that God has a mission and purpose that he has formed and fashioned you to accomplish in participation with what he wants to do on this planet while you are sucking oxygen. Listen, I don't wake up one day in my life 
and feel purposeless or feel hopeless, like my life has no meaning, and I'll tell you why. Because right away, when you come to Christ, you're given the great commission, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. That's a mission right there. Come on. There's still a lot of people that need to be made into disciples, right? All right? Well, but that's not all, though, because when you go back into history and you see that God's original intention for creation was the Garden of Eden, this place of purity and, and relationship and walking together and unity, and then we look at the distorted, broken place that our world is now, how many of you know that it's not God's will that schools would get shot up? It's not God's will that people would die of diseases. It's not God's will that children would be neglected and marriages would disintegrate. Come on, that's not the will of God. The will of God is the Garden of Eden, and He invites us into His kingdom. And even as Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, pray this way, God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, it's our job on this side of eternity to see this planet begin to look like God's kingdom. What happens when God is in charge, when God is in control, marriages are restored, people are set free from addiction, little children are brought out of bondage and sex trafficking and slavery and given a place in good families. Come on. Come on, somebody. And you and I get to participate in that. We get to be emissaries and ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. And so you should never walk into your workplace at any moment and think, I'm just here for the nine to five grind. That is incorrect. You are making some money to feed, put bread on the table. But let me just tell you right now, you are also walking in there as an emissary of the king of kings to bring heaven to earth. Come on, you should never go to school one time and think, oh, I'm just here to learn mathematics. That's demonic anyways. Can I get an amen? All right. <laughs> I'm not here just to learn how to do math. And Yeah, wow, man. This is feel the fire. Shondai. Come on. So <laughs> you're not just there to learn math. You're not just there to learn history. You're there to be an emissary and touch people's lives for the kingdom of heaven. Come on, somebody. See, our culture right now says that you are time plus slime plus chance. You might think you're a biological accident or somebody's mistake that happened in the back of a car 20 or, 20 or 30 years ago, but you're not. The Bible says, scriptures say, for you are, Christ, you are God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus to do the good things that he prepared for you to do long ago. You were made on purpose and for a purpose. And you don't just get a seat at the family table, you get a place in the family business. And I want you to think about this, that in Christ, as a son or daughter of God, you show up at the office on your first day and you walk in the hall and right there on the office door is your name written in brass in the nameplate right there, which makes you legit when it's on the door. Come on. And God opens the door. Not only is your name on the brass plate on the nameplate on the door, but there's one on the desk. So people know who you are twice, which makes you even more legit. My name is Jacob Schmelzer. I saw it on the door. Did you see it on my desk? <laughs> son, son of God. Come on, you are given purpose and life, a place in the family business. We're going to wrap this up today. Here's what it boils down to, boils down to. Do you believe, receive, and live out the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or do you have some kind of watered down version of the gospel? Do you have some sort of distorted picture of how good God really is. Because if your gospel is not scandalously good, then it's too small. It, 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 you're not honoring God by trying to earn your way to him. Come on, that's a false gospel. That's why Paul's so frustrated at these Judaizers because they're coming in saying, you have to do this, you have to do that. This is what makes you right with God. And Paul's saying, no, 
our righteousness is like filthy rags, even on your very best day where you've gusted yourself up and cleaned everything and polished every button and done your very best, you are still not even close to the level of God's righteousness. Come on, our righteousness, our goodness is like a drop of spit in the ocean to God. But the gospel is that, hey, it's not about you and your own standing and your own sin. If you receive Jesus, you get a whole brand new, brand new name and identity. And you're justified. You stand right with God, just as if you never sinned. It all comes down to believing the true gospel of grace. Do I actually believe Jesus did this for me? Do you believe it today? I want to leave you with these words. A man named John Bunyan. How many of you have heard of the Pilgrim's Progress? John Bunyan wrote this beautiful poem, penned these words hundreds of years ago, and I find them to be so compelling. John Bunyan said, Run, John, run, the law commands but gives us neither feet nor hands. Better news the gospel brings. It bids us fly and gives us wings. You can crawl, you can try to run, you can try to earn your way with God, or you can receive the gift of grace. You can be a son or you can be a slave, but the choice is yours because it's right there in front of you and God wants to give you wings to fly in life. Come on, to soar like an eagle, and to receive the true gospel of grace. Can I get an amen today? Yeah. Amen. Listen, as we get ready to finish up here today, there's some business that we need to do. And every single week, people come to church looking for hope, looking for purpose, looking for answers. Maybe you don't even know exactly why you're here today, but you know something's off, something's wrong. Maybe there's not, you, you're not part of this family of, with God. You're not connected with him. You know that you're still in that slavery thing. You still got the lid on the jar and you keep bouncing up against it and you can't break addictions and you, get, you can't escape toxic relationships or whatever it may be for you. It's different for all of us. But I just wanna tell you right now that you're not here by accident. God himself drew you to this place. You say, no, I saw a sign. I got a flyer. I saw a, uh, something on TV. I came to church today. No, that's the mechanism by which you came in. But how you came really is that God himself drew you to this moment so that he could tell you he loves you. Come on, he loves you with all of his heart. He wants to restore you. And there's a place in his family. And listen, the scriptures say that today is the day of salvation and there's no qualifier on that. So every day, come on, every day. This is your day of salvation. The Bible says, if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And if you want to put your faith and trust and call on the name of the Lord, God will rush into your heart like a tidal wave with his grace and his love and his mercy to ransom you from your sin and to set you free. Come on, to begin this journey of walking with him every day. And maybe you think, well, I'm not really ready because I need to get my life cleaned up and I need to work some stuff out. No, that would be believing the wrong gospel. See, the gospel is not a story about us climbing our way up to God. It's a story about God climbing his way down to us. And he puts his hand out when you're right in the mud and the muck of your biggest failures and, and all that kind of stuff. And he says, come on, give me your hand because I got a place in my family for you. Come on, if that's you today, if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Jake, maybe I don't understand all of this. I'm not totally locked into the theology and all that, but I want that. I want to be with God. I want to be reconciled with him. I want to receive the gospel. If that's you today, come on, would you just lift up your hand right now? Just lift it up right now. Come on, lift it up all over this place. I just want to know Jesus. Come 
on. I don't care about the person on my left and my right, what they think about me. I want to know Jesus. I want to know the gospel. Come on, I see hands all over this place. Let's thank the Lord for that. Come on, let's celebrate because that's a good decision. There's no better decision than to put your faith and trust in Jesus. I want to know him. Come on. I want. He's my dad. He's putting his hand on your life right now. Even as you put your hand up in faith, he's putting his hand down. He's saying, you're my son. You're my daughter. Come on. He's playing duck, duck, goose with people right now. Come on. Boom, boom. You're mine. I love you. Right now, if you put your hand up, would you just pray this prayer with me? We're going to have the prayer team come down. But I want to invite everybody to pray this prayer. Let's pray it in faith. You're going to call on the name of the Lord. Let's pray together. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I confess my sins to you. I know I've fallen short of your standards. But I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be reconciled with God. Thank you, Jesus. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, if you are here today and you prayed that prayer, I want to just invite you, if you want to, to come down and stand with these awesome people. They're super nice. They do not bite. I know them all very well. And they're going to pray with you. They're going to help you take the next steps because this is a new journey that you started with Jesus. And this is a great church, a great place, a great family to be a part of. God bless you today.